You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places past the event horizon. Bullies are victims, men are women, and abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there. But to find your way back, you have to notice it. And now, the Disaffected Podcast with Joshua Slocum. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. I want to start you out with something a little happy, especially since the last show was so heavy. I saw a headline in the New York Post, Alexander Skarsgård, he's an actor, if you don't know that. Alexander Skarsgård, quote, nearly ran over Greta Thunberg with his bike. And I thought to myself, can you imagine if he had that strangled little, how dare you, floating up from the pavement? <laughs> No, I'm not actually wishing her dead. Stop it. So this is going to be kind of grab bag today. I don't have a particular theme, but I'm just going to talk about some stuff I want to talk about. Actually, here's a real happy thing. This week on the TV show, and if you're listening to me here and you don't know, we have a Sunday night TV show that comes out on YouTube. Yes, I know, I'm a podcaster, but it, it really is a TV show. There's graphics and everything. Kevin does a great job. You should watch it. Anyway, this past week, I opened the show by talking about President Biden's extraordinary and disturbing taped video piece address, whatever you want to call it, about Transgender Day of Visibility. In that piece, he went on and on about how oppressed trans people are, and especially trans children. And he told the American people that one of the best ways to keep your child happy, healthy, and safe is to affirm their gender identity. So he told the American people that the most loving act you can do for your child as a parent is to affirm their delusion that they are the opposite sex and to get them access to gender-affirming care, which is chemical castration followed by physical castration, and in the case of girls, mastectomy, and permanent sterility. And I said, if you are still a Democrat, is this enough yet? Is this horrifying enough for you to object publicly to make a stand, to take some kind of action, not just privately in your head, but some kind of action that sends a signal to people in power and a signal to other people around you? Is this enough yet? I am happy to say that so far three people have told me 
that they went and changed their voter registration. They dropped themselves from the Democratic Party and registered either as an independent or unaffiliated voter. Thank you. You did the right thing, and thank you for saying it publicly. I'm glad you told me, but if you have an opportunity, say it in front of other people. Yeah, especially the people that it's going to make angry. If people are going to get angry about this kind of stuff, fine. But just as we need to set an example for more timid people, people who are more afraid to stick their head above the parapet, I try to do that. And it's important. When you speak out like that, you do set an example and you do make more shy people feel more confident. But the people who you're never going to convince, the people who will call you a bigot, will tell you that you you hate people, you hate grandma, you hate children, you hate trans people, you know, the Kool-Aid swilling blue no matter who set, you aren't going to change their mind. But they should have to confront the reality in front of them. They should have to know that these actions by the president and by the left caused you to publicly break away from them. Why should they know this? Because they need to start experiencing boundaries again. I talk constantly about how narcissism and emotional exploitation runs our conversations, runs our politics, runs our communities. Part of the reason for that, there are many reasons for it, and we can't fix all of them, and some of them have come from a ship that has sailed. But what we can do is start demonstrating toughness to these fuckers. Okay? They need to hear no. They need to hear no in public while other people are seeing them hear no. They need to feel that twinge of fear that they are not in control of everyone else, that other people do have boundaries, that other people will not buckle under accusations of bigotry or you hate me or you're a terrible person. We have to start erecting boundaries and also displaying boundaries. And part of that is displaying boundaries to people who need to be kept behind fences. We can't change the way their parents raised them. Very few of them who are this far gone will probably come out the other side. Some will. But that's not your goal. Don't worry about that. Your goal should be to put a little fear in them. Not fear of being abused, but they need to be made uncomfortable. They need to know that they're not in charge, that you're not going to put up with it. Every time you do that, every time I do it, every time anyone does it, we're doing a little bit more to build up appropriate boundaries and fences. Another thing I'd like to talk about is the reaction I'm seeing from many people about the what people are calling grooming in public schools and what do they mean by that they mean grooming children into an ideology but often very specifically grooming children into ideas about sex and sexuality at a at an age that is far too young and this is going on across the country in America's public schools 
it is. It's not just a few places. It's not just Northern Virginia. It's not just New York City. It's infected the entire American public school system. The libraries are filled with books written by transgender people who glorify body modification, body mutilation, underage sex, sex between minors and adults. I've talked about this on the show. I showed you the pictures of one of these books, 22 pages. This is real and it's rampant. And a lot of people don't believe it or don't want to believe it. And so they're saying, you guys need to stop calling them groomers. Because these people don't actually want to groom these children into being softened up to be sexually abused. They don't actually want to physically fondle the children, so you're being inaccurate. Well, there's a couple of ways to parse that. One is, I'm sorry, but I don't believe that you have good reason to state that so confidently. I think that many of the people, many of the teachers, many of the counselors, many of the people that you claim have no intention of actually physically abusing children, I think some of them do have that intention. I don't know how many, but it is more than you think it is. Because this objection is an emotional objection. And what's underneath it? The very same thing that prompts people to deny the severity of maternal child abuse. A mother could never do that. I won't believe it. A teacher could never do that. I won't believe it. A school nurse could never do that. I won't believe it. Why won't they believe it? Well, because people get into this job to help children, not hurt them. Do they? Do priests always go to seminary to help their parishioners not abuse the children? Would you say that? If you wouldn't say that, why will you say that about public school teachers, guidance counselors, administrators with an agenda? Anytime boundaries are lowered and standards are lowered, predators move in. Predators preferentially select vocations that allow them access to their preferred targets. It's kind of irritating that I feel I need to explain this because it's it's really obvious. This is not arcane knowledge. It's not something that we just learned. Anybody can put two and two together. So people are objecting to people like James Lindsay, Christopher Rufo, other, um, other voices like these that are exposing exactly what this shit is. It's Marxism and it's sexual indoctrination of children. Well, the respectability crowd, the butter-wouldn't-melt-my-mouth crowd, are screaming their heads off. You're being hyperbolic. This is inaccurate. You need to find another word. Don't say that because if you say that, it means that you think each one of them is actually touching children's private parts. Stop it. Even if none of the people being described as groomers in the public school system even if none of them ever physically laid a sexual hand on a child, they are still engaging in sexual abuse. Yeah. Softening the children up. Convincing them that intrusive, 
private sexual conversations between young children and adults are normal, natural, and a sign of a loving and healthy relationship. They are being softened up. And if they get in front of somebody who actually is a kitty fiddler, that grooming will have helped put them there. There are a number of people, and some of them are people I like and respect. I'm not saying they're bad people or they they don't know anything of what they're talking about or that they have bad intentions. But there are a number of people who are woefully naive about how this works. They're often academics or they are white-collar professionals, and they live in a world where respectability counts for a lot. Not saying naughty words. Not speaking too loudly. Choosing euphemism over direct and plain English. These are values of academics and of the professional upper managerial class. They have nothing to do with truth. They have nothing to do with what is an effective or an ineffective political approach. Simply because these people live in a world that demands euphemism and nuance. They're always talking about nuance. This is not nuanced enough. No, it's not. This situation's not complicated. It doesn't need a lot of nuance. It's an emergency that needs to be stopped right now. They don't understand this. And I think even even for those who are anti-woke, there are some anti-woke people who, in my view, are still very much wrapped up in the idea that speaking respectably, that is, um, speaking around topics, adding 15 caveats about what you're not saying, making sure you say not all, not all, not all. They'll get into the weeds with this stuff. They seem to think that public political expression is an academic paper. Because this is how you write an academic paper. You write an abstract and then you write the body of the paper and you say, I'm going to do this, but I'm not doing this, 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 or this. And you use a lot of... um, maybe and might be and and there's a reason for this particularly if you are writing research papers and the closer you are to hard science the more you need to in order to be intellectually honest the more you need to set limits on the claims that you're making and you need to indicate where you are tentative and where questions have not yet been answered there is an appropriate way to use this style of discourse and communication But this situation that's going on in public schools right now, that is not that situation. And your academic term paper or your research paper approach not only is not helping, the degree to which you think people like me who speak very plainly, to the degree that you think people like me are not helping, I think people like you are not helping. I think... You are contributing to an atmosphere that makes people afraid to tell the truth because they're afraid that you are going to say, that wasn't nuanced enough. You should have qualified it. You should have said, I'm not speaking about these people. You really shouldn't use a hyperbolic term when just a plain and descriptive term. They want to bleed the emotion 
out of everything? Well, certain kinds of emotion. And when they object to my objection or an objection from somebody who comes from um, sort of my rhetorical position, they will often say, no, 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 I'm not trying to shut anybody up. I care about accuracy. And they may believe that. That may be what they're trying to get at. But it's not actually about accuracy. Because even if somebody makes a hyperbolic claim and groups a few people under the term groomer, who maybe you can debate whether or not they're actually grooming, this isn't actually doing... I don't know quite how to express this. It's not doing the good work they insist that it's doing, and it is also not going to protect them or me or anyone on our side of these issues, it's not going to protect us from criticism. It's not going to protect us from accusations that we're bigots or that we're over the top. That comes anyway. Hewing to this respectability platform does not insulate you. You are not storing up treasure in heaven. You will not get points in the bank that you can use later to shield yourself. It doesn't work that way. You're not accomplishing anything. What you're doing is telling people to beat their swords into plowshares while the enemy sharpens theirs. I won't do it. See you on the other side of the break. Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. Welcome back. The other thing I want to talk about today is... The, well, it's related to what I talked about before we took a break. Let's leave aside what approach we should take or what language we should use. And let's look at what people believe is going on in terms of public schools and how children are being raised by the government. This week, and I'll, I'm going to put this on the TV show this coming Sunday, but I'll just describe it briefly here. I saw a TikTok video, of course, of a, I believe it was a fifth grade teacher. Some guy appeared to be somewhere between 25 and 30, obviously gay. And he made this TikTok video about how happy he was that he just came out to his students well, you'll see, tune in on Sunday and you'll see what I mean. But right from the beginning, his affect threw me off. Very childlike affect. Big eyes, smiling and giggling. Almost like he was really proud, like, Mommy and Daddy, I just told my students I was gay. I feel really validated. It was weird. We should not be looking at fully grown adults who are teachers making little videos about how their feelings were stroked and their ego was stroked by discussing their private lives with children. This is not normal adult behavior. 
If you need to be validated by a classroom full of school children, there is something wrong with you and you don't belong in school. It's, it's amazing. And the younger people, younger people hear these words, hear people like me talking about this, and they're genuinely shocked. It's They're not pretending to be shocked. They're genuinely shocked. They don't understand at all that there's a different way to relate to children. They literally do not know that they are abnormal as adults, that their emotional dysregulation and their emotional immaturity is abnormal, that they are the first or part of the first or second generations who ever acted this way. You don't see this in history. You didn't see it in living memory. You certainly didn't see it when I was a kid. And they don't believe you, and they feel targeted. And I thought, about, what is this? And, and it occurred to me, young people today are an uncontacted tribe. You know those stories you hear about small tribes and bands of people living in places like the deep Amazon rainforest who have never contacted the outside world? You, you, you see them from time to time, every few years. There may not be any more left, but I, I can remember seeing at least one story about this within the past 15 years. They have no idea that the rest of the world is out there. They have no idea about modernity, electricity, um vehicular transportation, nothing. For all intents and purposes, they're living thousands of years ago. They're an uncontacted tribe. Young people today are an uncontacted tribe. They are literally unaware that the world was different a generation or two ago. And when you try to tell them, they do not believe you. And if they do believe you, they think that you're describing an oppressive, horrible world that they're so thankful they don't live in. When you tell them about boundaries between adults and children, they look at you funny. When, when, you, when you mention the fact that adults are responsible for their own emotions, they cannot be farmed out or outsourced to other people and certainly not to children in your care, they look at you like you are speaking a different language. It does not compute for them. This really scares me because I don't know how we solve it. I don't know how, I don't know how you convince a person who actually believes that the world was always distorted this way and has not seen and doesn't believe that it used to be different. I don't know how you bring them there. I don't know how you convince them of that. Do you have any ideas? Um, well, if you do, how are you going to tell me? Send me an email, us at disaffected.fm. If you have any thoughts on this and how to break through that, I'd really like to know. So this explains some of the shocked reactions that younger people and younger teachers have when others say, what you're doing is indoctrination and grooming. But I think something else is going on that has made people so unable to see what is clearly inappropriate sexual grooming, even if it's well meant. 
And I don't know the mechanism. I don't know how this happened. But I suspect that this is what happened. I used to hold false ideas about sexuality and children. And the people I'm talking about today, they have incorrect and false ideas about children and sexuality. They have been convinced that children are sexual beings in the same way that adults are. I mean, obviously, we're all born as sex. We we all will hit puberty. We will all become sexual. But five, six, seven, eight-year-old kids, nine-year-old kids are not, in fact, sexual beings in the same way that adults are sexual beings. This is the time of their life when the templates are being laid down in their head of how to relate to other people. And the way that sexual abuse or sexual grooming damages children, when it, especially when they're introduced to sexuality far too young, is that it distorts, it introduces a toxic element into a relationship that has a power imbalance. That is the damage of sexual abuse. It is the betrayal of trust of a caregiver, a parent, a teacher, a priest, a scout leader. You should not be in a sexual relationship in any way, physical, discursive, emotional, with someone who has a duty of care over you. That's distorted. That screws children up. It screws up their ability to understand what mature love is. It screws up their ability to value themselves sexually. It leads to all sorts of sexual acting out. And it makes them very easy targets for actual pedophiles and abusers. I understand this because I used to hold these distorted views about children and sexuality, and it was a shock to me when I finally realized how wrong I was, but why I thought what I did. This is really common among gay people, gay men. I don't know how it is for lesbians, but I do know how it is for gay men. Lots and lots and lots of gay men have these same false ideas about children and sexuality because the way we experienced becoming aware of our homosexuality is quite different than the way the vast majority of kids, heterosexual straight kids, experience their sexuality. It's common for gay men to recall having sexual feelings and fantasies at a far earlier age than you hear about with heterosexual kids or kids who turn out to be heterosexual. That was the case for me. And I had a conversation with my therapist. How many years ago was it? Mm, a couple of years ago. I'm not going to give you TMI. I'm not going to squick you out. Um, I'm going to describe it, but I'm not going to give detail. One of the things that I explore in therapy is how my sexuality developed. And we were having a conversation where I was describing my first, you could call them sexually adjacent thoughts and fantasies that in time, and not, not very much time, became explicitly sexual. I was describing the age that I had them at. I described the content of them to my therapist. And he told me that, no, that's not normal. 
It's not statistically normal. It's not what you expect um, among children raised in a healthy home. And boy, that was a lot to think about. And part of that conversation included, well, I said to him, I asked him where this kind of thing comes from, and I have no memory of ever being sexually fondled by an adult, not my mother or my stepfather or anyone else. And I have resisted referring to myself as having experienced childhood sexual abuse because I want to draw a line between actual physical fondling and sexual contact and and not having that contact. And also because I, I don't want to be hyperbolic in that way. There's so much victimhood out there and people inflate their stories so much. Um, I don't want to potentially add to that. But I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wrestling with this because my therapist said to me, and I've reflected on this and I believe he's right, said, you display the signs of childhood sexual abuse. And I do. And, well, I did much, much, much more when I was younger. I mean, this, this is, this correlates with my extreme promiscuity, my early sexual encounters, the fact that as a minor, I was having sex with adult men. These are all classic correlates of childhood sexual abuse. And in my home, although I was not the target of physical sexual abuse, I've related before that the relationship with my mother um, had very poor sexual boundaries, that my mother told me things about her intimate private life at a young age that she should never have told her children. She walked around the house naked far longer than she should have for the age of her children. I shouldn't have memories of my mother's naked body, but I do, very clearly. It's all sorts of things like this. So we are, what I think has happened is gay men think this stuff is normal, but it isn't. But somehow the gay man's idea of sexuality has become mainstream. Straight people, parents, mothers, and fathers on the left are now spouting all of this shit that I used to hear only from gay men. And why do gay men believe this so much? Well, (laughs) again, I can't prove it to you. I don't have a study, but I've got a lot of observation. And most gay men had abusive parents, personality disordered parents, particularly particularly strong correlation between gay men and having a borderline mother, a cluster B mother. And I think that's where a lot of these unhealthy ideas about sexuality come from in gay men. What I don't get is how they have so thoroughly spilled over into the straight world. I don't know the answer to it. Well, that's your grab bag for the week. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you again in a couple of days. Well, 
Hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine programming. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon. Patreon.com slash disaffected. Or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever.